I thought this article was great. Uh, it's essentially talking about the typical Japanese millennial. So it's it's a profile of Japanese millennials and just kind of talking to them about their life, what they think about the future. Do they want kids or not? Essentially, a lot of them don't want kids. They feel like they're trapped in dead end jobs. In my mind, I'm like, these are people who just don't give a fuck anymore. And they're just going <laughs> to ride it out till the end. <laughs> no, like legit. They respectable. Were, a lot of them were like, oh, yeah, like I've I've spent 13 years at the same company with zero promotions. Like I was just like, whoa, bamboo ceiling who? Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Politically Asian Podcast, where two Asian American comedians talking about politics and the Asian American community in hopes of getting more Asians to talk about politics. We are coming at you live from Brooklyn, New York. My name is Jerry Lim. My pronouns are they, them. And you can find me across the internet at Jerryaki. That's G-E-R-R-I-E-Y-A-K-I. And my co-host... Hey, my name is Aaron Yin. My pronouns are he, him, and you can find me on social media at Aaron Flarin. That's A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-R-I-N. All right. Well, we're going to open with our Practice What You Preach segment. So if you've never listened to the pod, uh, we talk a lot about politics here, but it's also important to do things. So each week we share one thing we did related to politics and organizing, and this week I'll go first. Um, it's only been like four or five days since we last chatted, and most of those days have been work days. So <laughs> the most I've really done is support a local small black owned business in my neighborhood. I went, I'm going to a wedding this weekend, so I had to get a suit tailored. And for the first 20 years of my life, I've used the same tailor who lives in my hometown. It's like this old Asian grandma from Thailand. And, uh, it was to the point where like I would bring stuff home when I when I visited and uh, uh, she's I don't know. She's seen me grow up and then I'm finally coming to terms that like I need to find a tailor that's like actually near me. Um, <laughs> uh, so I felt like I should try to find one in my neighborhood instead of uh, maybe one in Manhattan. And I found one like a couple blocks away. She's definitely someone's grandma. And boy, she is she is one grumpy lady, but she does a great job. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, no, that counts. Uh, I guess supporting what like mom and pop businesses, small black yeah. owned businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Did they look okay on the internet? There were there were no this person steals from their workers news. Right? No, it's literally like so. I went in to drop it off and then pick it up. Right? It's the exact. It's two people. It's just like oh okay. It's just like uh uh. Literally the mom and the pop. Literally, <laughs> like, yeah, literally, literally mom and pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Because, I mean, we talk about it, but just for listeners, right, I feel like you can't just go based on supporting small, you know, like small Asian businesses is what we talk about normally, right? Because, right. like, there are so many businesses that are small, but the managers are stealing from the workers, you know, wage theft through, like, stealing tips and not giving overtime. So it's almost like you got to be extra diligent when it comes to that now. But that's cool. That, that counts, like, you know. Practice yeah. in ways big or small. Uh, you excited about the wedding? Um, yeah, it's it's um, my partner's friend, so, and we're going. We're mm. actually going to Boston, so it's we're oh, switching places. Nice. You and yeah, I. Yeah, we're switching <laughs> places. That's true. That's true. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. So I mean, I'm back in New York City now. Woo. I 
Yeah, I feel like my you know praxis for the week is, I would say like a political conversation. So yesterday I had this very long phone call with my sister as a catch up, but uh, and inevitably also got into politics a little bit. Uh, I guess for a brief background, my sister and I we don't talk a lot. Um, she's I would say like a moderate conservative, generously speaking. Um, she's like a practitioner of Falun Gong, and for people who don't know, look it up. But essentially, they're very related to the Epoch Times, which is a very mm-hmm. conservative paper. And so our conversation started with catch-up, but then it quickly went into, you know, all sorts of things around drag queens and book readings and violent left and you know, defunding the police, every single hot topic that you can imagine yeah. started coming up. Critical race theory? Uh, not critical race theory. I okay. think I think this week started off more with like uh, drag queens, BLM, defund the police. Why can't people peacefully protest? Why are people stealing and rioting all the time? Uh, but to keep Is it short. Is that still going on? <laughs> I, I mean, it, it was like kind of uh, talking about like Atlanta a little bit. The, oh, the I city. see. Okay. But my main takeaway for people is that uh i feel like i made some progress when it come uh came to the defund the police argument okay i was just telling her defund the police is half of the overall phrase of you know defund the police and then people say you know refund the people sometimes oh and i think that's a better way of reallocating and she didn't know that either so i feel like that was the only win is like if you take away money from somewhere it has to go somewhere else, right? So it was just illustrating that. That's maybe the only highlight of the entire conversation. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that was the rest of the phrase. I have always understood it as like, apparently defund the police is a watered down version of what earlier activists used to say, which was straight up just like abolish the police. Kill the police, oh. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think refund... Refund the people is that common, but I did see a sticker of it in like Brooklyn, and I was like, of "Oh, course. that's nice, right?" Yeah, it's it's a good phrasing because uh, it rhymes. I do, yeah, <laughs> it does. I do feel like there's such a uh, a struggle with PR, and when you hear the word defund versus reallocate, because mm. reallocate kind of shows you you're taking away from one and giving it to this other thing. Versus mm-hmm. defund, people just seem to think the money goes into the ether. Yeah. Like it just gets Thanos snap and gone. It's like, that's not true. So yeah, that was that was my uh, practical thing for the week. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. I was surprised when you told me that you were chatting with your sister. For context, anyone who's listening to this, for the first two years of like me and Aaron's friendship, I didn't know he had a sister. <laughs> 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 and keep in mind, I saw Aaron like at least once a week because we were doing like open mics in the city, and yeah. I, I did not know this guy had a sister. <laughs> I was just like, oh, he's an only child like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's uh seven years younger than me, but oh, politically shit. very different, and mm-hmm. it, it it does come up a lot more because she's a very avid practitioner of Falun Gong, and I I was thinking yesterday how. There's so many religions that are very tied to politics. Like when you're a hardcore Christian, you know, there's a pretty high chance you might be really conservative also politically. Mm-hmm. Similar mm-hmm. with this, you know, spiritual movement, Falun Gong, a lot of people tend to be very uh, conservative depending on how dedicated they are. I feel like that's kind of the general trend. Like if you're a hardcore practitioner or particularly religious, you tend to be Republican or conservative. Yeah, yeah mostly. I, I've yet to see a hardcore you know, like leftist Christian, right? 
I would love to see one. <laughs> I would love to see one. I would though. love to see one. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, we, if you think about Jesus, he he was kind of like a communist low-key. Actually yeah, pretty high-key, but whatever. Yeah. Comrade JC. <laughs> the real ah, JC. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for comrade. Hey, Jesus yeah. comrade. <laughs> Jesus comrade. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, let's get into this week's news. Uh, this week in Asian American politics, we're going to start with the Prime Minister of India, he, Narendra Modi, is visiting D.C. He'll be hosted by the White House, by Biden. They're apparently doing this despite, quote, lingering concerns about human rights in India. D.C. apparently wants India to be a strategic counterweight to China. Modi seeks to improve India's standing and influence on the world stage. Um, he'll also be meeting with a bunch of American CEOs I think that's a good place to start. There's a lot of uh, articles and topics about this. Aaron, what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, that one article talking about lingering concerns, I think put it the most likely because <laughs> there were other articles that were like, yeah, the US and India are meeting despite worries from dozens of sitting Congress members about the country's horrific human rights abuses as well <laughs> as suppression of free speech and activism. So it really uh, you know, spans the entire spectrum of... Uh, putting it lightly versus telling it like it is. I mean, I was thinking about it like this. Like, India right now is sort of like America's, like, toxic sugar daddy, right? They have a whole bunch of issues around suppression, but America really needs India to help pay for its steady supply of, like, workers, right? There's so oh, many Indian tech workers who yeah. are always going to America. Whole thing with artificial intelligence, some stuff with climate change tech. It needs a lot of what India has, so they're mm. like, "Okay, you're bad in these aspects, but you, you give me money, so so I like you." <laughs> that's how I thought about it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I was surprised to I felt like I learned so much about like geopolitics about India specifically. Like, I learned that India apparently buys a lot of its weapons from Russia? Question mark. Or that as a prime minister, Modi has not had a single press conference in nine years, which is kind of like really wild to think about if like you had a president who did two terms in office and not a single press conference, no State of the Union, no nothing, just, you know? Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> it's funny because people compare Modi to Trump. He's like Trump in the fact that they're both right wing. He's unlike Trump in that he hates press somehow. He he doesn't want to be in front of the camera at all. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's... I was going to say, like, oh, I thought Trump kind of hates the media because he's always like, oh, the media are out oh, to get me, blah, blah. That's true. Except that's for true. Fox. Yeah, yeah. Except, for, except for Fox News. <laughs> yeah. You know, as always, I feel like when it comes down to it, anything in Asia just always points back to China. Like, <laughs> it always just comes back to China. Yeah. All the roads lead back to China. That's, that's... Yeah, the Silk Road or whatever. Yeah, the, <laughs> the real Silk Road, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're essentially using that as a counterweight. There's a really heavy emphasis, not just on AI right now, but quantum computing, supercomputing. So I feel like America is essentially like, oh, I can't beat China. India, you sure as hell can't beat China. But together, we might be able to almost beat China. <laughs> 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 mm, this, this sounds like a plot of a movie I've, I've yeah. seen somewhere. Yeah. I mean, not everyone in America is happy about this. Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, the uh, two Muslim women in Congress, said that they would boycott Modi's speeches because of, you know, M Modi has a very long history of targeting Muslims. I feel like with Hindu nationalism, Hindu nationalism going on in India right now, it's 
it's not just Muslims. There's also a lot of persecution of like the Sikh communities. So yeah, yeah a lot, a lot, a lot of tense moments uh, within Congress. Yeah, there was like an article that gave a whole list. It was like uh, <laughs> caste oppressed groups, uh, Muslims, political dissidents, and then like the last one was like women. I was like, like yeah. the entirety of women, like just yeah. the entirety of women. All women. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Apparently, he's also meeting with Elon, or he met with Elon Musk, which I thought was wild because if you read that article, it's it says something like they had a long conversation about you know a lot of topics, uh, including energy and spirituality, and I was like, I would buy Twitter Blue to have been a fly on the wall for that. Like <laughs> <laughs> spirituality, uh, Hindus good, Muslim bad. That's <laughs> that was the conversation. <laughs> Oh yeah. man! Uh, Musk and Modi, two uh, two guys who both have four letter last names that start with the letter M. So much in common. Yeah, so much in common. <laughs> I I can only imagine what was talked about, but this you know there is a throwback to this previous article from the Intercept titled you know uh, talking about how Elon Musk uh, with Twitter just helped Modi censor a lot of critics online and in person. You know they they took down this documentary criticizing Modi. They blocked tons of accounts of journalists who called out Modi and his party. They did help with internet blackouts overall. And so I I feel like the main reason why Musk likes Modi is because he wants Modi to buy his SpaceX stuff Mm. and he's willing to do whatever Modi says for the Twitter stuff. Yeah, um, that and Musk wants to put a Tesla factory in India. Um, And the only reason he hasn't done it yet is because he... He want he's only down to do it if he can get away with not paying import taxes. Uh, um, yes, the yeah. classic billionaire thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tax evasion somehow. Yeah, <laughs> tax evasion number one. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, at a really steep cost. Like when you dive into that, there's this uh, other article talking about the chilling meeting between Elon Musk and Narendra Modi, and essentially Elon Musk has reinstated a lot of Hindu nationalist accounts that. You know, mm-hmm. encourage violence against Indian Muslims, and at some point, India, before Elon Musk caved, had also raided a lot of Twindia, uh, Twindia, Twitter <laughs> India offices. Uh, uh, so did you just say Twindia? I like Twindia. Twindia. Yeah. <laughs> Twindia. But yeah, it's uh, it just feels like two bad guys being chummy with each other because they have what each other they they each want. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. I have a question for you. Um, I saw like some people saying that they oppose Biden hosting Modi. And my question is like, what are, do you, do you agree? And if not, like, what are the alternatives if like you as the president have a foreign prime minister coming to your country? Yeah, I don't think there's any way around that. Bro, like imagine if Modi comes all this way and he just has to stand outside your house. Right. <laughs> Bro, I guess people got... are saying to do that. Like, I don't. Yeah. Incoming. Uh, hey, the uh, someone just called. It's World War Three. Okay, like, <laughs> like that is bad. Uh, it's just awkward, right? I mean, I feel like it's the same way. I think when you know, I think the U.S. hosts China. I feel like everyone starts popping out the articles about like, oh, why are you doing this? But I feel like no matter how bad the good or bad a leader is seems like a standard diplomacy thing to still host them i see what they're talking about though maybe maybe you just get demoted to a zoom call oh, <laughs> like <Modi. yeah. laughs> no in uh, no irl even though you're in america you gotta here's my zoom link uh <laughs> password it's like like y2k's 
Q19, that six letter digit code. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I think that's I think that's really funny. Um, they might as well have done that because like uh, apparently to like the first event in like the press, all the like press and meetings and things. Uh, Modi was like 30 minutes late. Like they had to start without him, and he had to catch up. Which Dude, that's that's because Biden runs on white people time, man. <laughs> Modi I mean, in the yeah. end, you know, still 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 got to run on like you know Asian time, POC yeah. time. You know? Right, right. Th- 30 minutes late is uh, that's Modi's early. Yeah. That is objectively not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is technically his early uh, by far. So <laughs> yeah. Everyone's saying that this visit is essentially a litmus test for how U.S. and India interactions will go. You know, how far is the U.S. willing to give up its you know preachy values on democracy in exchange mm. for the money and the hu- the human workers in tech and all this other stuff? Right. All right. Well, let's move on to the next article. Dude, I thought this article was great. Uh, it's essentially talking about the typical Japanese millennial. So it's it's a profile of three different uh, Japanese millennials and just kind of talking to them about their life, what they think about the future. Do they want kids or not? <laughs> Essentially, a lot of them don't want kids. They feel like they're trapped in dead-end jobs and they are finally living life. I'll kind of start there. Jerry, what's one thought you had about this article? I thought this was an incredible article. I will say my my one thought that I'm going to go with because I had so many was the the line about where they were talking to this guy and he was like oh my mom ne- told me to never take a loan um and that's so funny because like my parents told me the same thing like that's why i didn't have a credit card growing up until like by the time i graduated college like when i graduated oh. college is like when i got my first credit card no credit history <laughs> <laughs> um and th- that principle sticks even still like so hard with me of like not taking a loan that even if like I'm playing a video game and there is an option to like get a loan so you can like, you know, build a castle or what the fuck ever, um, like in the city skylines game, I won't, I won't do it. <laughs> I was like, we'll just have to save up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. I mean, the good news is like when you, uh, when you're, when you're good with that kind of thing, then you also avoid pitfalls like Bitcoin and GameStop and all that oh, other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the- pitfalls of yeah just spend it now uh, you'll get it back later or you know da, da. Yeah. yeah i thought this was a great profile overall because like i don't know that much about the average japanese millennial or even gen z right it's like yeah mm-hmm. we we see some youtube videos here and there but i feel like it's mainly you know food and anime that i know more about than the people but this was great like i had no idea that a lot of millennials they're essentially called victims of the country's lost decade where Japan just you know took some major L's economically, and a lot of people were just really poor. It was really hard, and and it has led to this very conservative mentality financially. So yeah, a lot of people are just like, I don't want to take loans. I don't want to spend anything. I don't even want to buy a house. There were some really wild quotes in that article. Like there was like one where it was like. Between rent, taxes, and paying off his loans, Isechi said he and his wife have almost no savings. I think this is like a 36-year-old, which is like just yeah. scary to think about. <laughs> I think I kind of understand it now. It's it's like they've been through a lot, right? Not only that, but they've had so many like natural disasters, like earthquakes, yeah. the tsunamis. whole nu- tsunamis, nuclear power plant situation. <laughs> a later quote was like talking about Isechi, the same first individual interview. It said, like many individuals, Asechi is content with living life as it is, 
happy to stay afloat as they watch their nation endure crippling economic crises and natural disasters. True patriot. <laughs> True patriot. I was like, this is the epitome of the this is fine meme. Okay, like, literally just watching your nation crumble and you're just the dog in the house on fire. Be like, yeah, I'm okay. This is not I mean, honestly, though, like, I feel like at a certain point, it's just like, you have a right to do that. Like, if your country's not going to give you, like, a social safety net, then, like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm not going to have kids. Yeah. To some degree, I felt like we were watching the future. You know what I mean? Like, yes. for our generation, with the last time I talked to my dad about social security, he was just like, yeah, that's not going to be a thing when, <laughs> when you're old. So, yeah. I will say one thing I did admire is that the newer generations aren't as workaholic as before. Like in my mind, I used to thought, think Japanese people were like top workaholics, like like top tier, you know, S class, uh, you know, yeah, cream of the cream. But the newer generations aren't, and Japan actually has a, a lower average number of workers, uh, not workers, work hours. So they were saying in 2019, the average worker in Japan worked 1,600 hours, but in comparison. People in the U.S. and South Korea worked 1,800 and 1,900 hours, respectively, like kind of rounding. But I was like, whoa, they have like at least like 200 hours less per year of work. And I'm like, that's I respect that. Yeah, but see, that's I'm not I, I really like flop at statistics because I was surprised by that, too, because that's that's kind of like what I have in my head. And then, like, you know, you see in like the the uh, pop culture like it's like the the workaholics in the manga and anime blah 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 and the the person they interviewed was talking about like oh yeah like i'm not as much of a workaholic as like the generation before and then it was like but i still clock in 12 hours at my office <laughs> and sleep about four hours at night i was like what okay <laughs> Yo, they picked the wrong guy to interview for real like <laughs> like he literally is the one bringing up the average it's like it's like right. him and the the manga artist right. <laughs> everyone else is like normal but yeah overall like the average seems good it, it's probably hugely skewed it's like it's like people on both extremes and there's like no middle yeah 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 um, but obviously even even with their current situation it the economy is just so bad and no one has savings like no one wants to have kids and it makes sense it's a cool profile overall, and I really feel like we're staring at the future. We're all going to be Japanese. Ah, <laughs> uh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really feel like, like economically, this this literally sounds like the U.S. in in like when we're older, you know? Yeah, I mean, but see, what's different is like Japan also has things like universal healthcare, and like I feel like that's kind of like how the U.S. manages to you know continue pushing us into oppression is like oh we're gonna take away abortion and like yeah. family planning methods or whatever so like you can't do the same thing like you can't withhold yeah <laughs> the next generation of workers you know we're gonna have to be like those uh american vietnam war vets and <laughs> move to vietnam <laughs> <laughs> oh man time to learn time yeah. to break out duolingo duolingo yeah. vietnamese oh yeah. man in my mind, I'm like, these are people who just don't give a fuck anymore, and they're just gonna ride it out till the end. <laughs> like, no, like legit, they respectable. were respectable. They were the, the, a lot of them were like, oh yeah, like I've I've spent 13 years at the same company with zero promotions. Like I was just like, whoa, bamboo ceiling, who? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bro, this is. <laughs> but like they said, they said like, oh, we like. They were talking about, you know, uh, 
career aspirations and they were like oh yeah like i look at the ceo of my company he's so miserable like i don't want that i was like (laughs) i feel like you made it (laughs) yeah literally you're not quite quitting you're just you're just coasting quiet coasting yeah right i respect that yeah like they 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 know how to manage work-life balance better and they they know that work is bullshit right like i mean is it a work-life balance we just said they pulled 12 hour shifts at the (laughs) office (laughs) okay literally i feel like it was just that one guy like they just picked the worst example and he did mention that he just stays like he has um uh, revenge bedtime procrastination because he gets home and he says i play games from like 10 p.m to 2 a.m and then i sleep for four-ish hours and wake up at seven yeah, uh, that's yeah. true. That's true. They are related, but <laughs> dude, that's the worst guy to interview for your point. <laughs> yeah, highly recommend. Uh, just look it up. The article itself t- is titled "Meet the Typical Japanese Millennial: Victims of the Country's Lost Decade. They are trapped in dead end jobs and are adamant about never having kids." Fuck yeah, them kids. I feel like, <laughs> like I feel like, like that's kids. the article to read instead of like all the the tens of thousands of ones that like are about return to office and quiet quitting. Yeah, blah blah yeah. blah. Hey, if you're still listening to this podcast, please consider pausing and giving us a five-star review on whatever app you're listening on, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I don't think anyone else does it. Uh, If you really like the episode, consider donating to our Buy Me a Coffee. It's a one-time payment of an amount you choose, and we'll take literally anything. You can go to our website or head over to buymeacoffee.com slash politicalasian. We're so broke, we couldn't even buy a longer URL with our proper name. Thanks, and now back to the episode. All right, we're moving on to our next article topic. You know what it is. Everyone's talking about it. We're talking about the submersible named Titan. It's got five really rich people on it. One of them is an Asian billionaire. It's disappeared into the ocean. (laughs) Uh, Representation matters. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like by the time we're done recording this, we're going to, you know, more things are going to unfold. By the time we publish this episode, we're going to find out that it was actually an alien that took it. But for those of you who, like, have been living under a rock, I guess, or it, there's, like, this submarine that leads expeditions to the Titanic, it went missing. Uh, it costs $250,000 per person to sit in this little submersible. I, sorry, it should be a submersible, not submarine. Very uh, important distinction because as a submersible, it's bolted from the outside. You cannot yeah. open it from the inside. <laughs> there are five people on this vessel. One of them was the CEO of the submersible company. And then all this while on the other side of the world was a deadly migrant shipwreck off the coast of Greece, I believe. And it had a bunch of migrants who were fleeing Libya, um, trying to make their way to Italy, I believe. Um, So Aaron, a lot going on here. Uh, Where do you want to start? (laughs) Yeah, I'd say let's start with the submarine stuff or the submersible stuff, and then we can go to the Greece stuff. Dude, this submersible, while you were saying that, I was like, this is so... I mean, it's it's like a dollar store submarine, essentially, right? Yeah. It, it has no full-time, like, crew underneath. It was being piloted by, like, a PlayStation controller. Yeah. Like, this just sounds so bad. And, and it, the fact that it's bolted only from the outside, I was like, okay, so this thing is literally a human time capsule. Like, there will be bodies in there. <laughs> I'm like, this is so full. I'm like, okay. But, yeah, it's... 
it just feels like a rich person thing to do that went really badly. And one of the guys is one of Pakistan's wealthiest men, uh, Shazada Dawood. He was one of. He was, yeah, Pakistan's. literally was. I mean, there, there's no. I feel like there's no. Uh, there's no way this should have happened. I'm like everything that we've heard about this. It just seems really bad in terms of how it was constructed. Previous people who went on it were like. This this submarine feels MacGyvered, and I had to look at MacGyver as just this <laughs> guy who like put a lot of stuff together in a yeah. kind of wonky but successful way. But obviously, not even that because this clearly didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Again, you were piloting this with a PlayStation controller. Some of the ballasts were old, rusty pipes, and a guy who had previously been on this said there were certainly many things that looked like they cut corners. Cool. And this is the thing going more than two miles deep into the ocean to look at a previous ship that might have also cut corners and <laughs> sunk in the water. I don't think it's a good idea to name your boat after the sunken the sunken boat. You know what I yes. mean? Like seems bad, like bad luck. Yeah, the Titanic and then the Titan. Uh I guess the ick part was how the submersible was built. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> Oh man. Uh Yeah, I mean there there's not too much on the profiles of all these people except that they're really rich. One person was a person who had previously been on missions to the Titanic. So I was like, surely this must have looked really bad to you. I'm like, why did you go? I mean, where to even start? One of them, though, like the, the CEO of the submersible company, his name was Stockton Rush, I think, which sounds like for any gay men listening, it sounds like a popper brand, if we're being honest. <laughs> His profile was really wild to read about. I don't know if you read it, but it's like he is the descendant of not one, but two people who signed the Declaration of Independence. Really? Yes, dude. And then his wife is the descendant of two Titanic passengers. And they were there's like a New York Times article about it. They were like the wealthiest, quote, victims aboard the Titanic. I was like. Yo. <laughs> wow. History repeats itself, huh? Truly. <laughs> you are your great grandfather's grandson. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just want to say, like, whoever whoever has the death note right now, you they are testing it out with some very specific prompts. Like literally typing <laughs> literally. it into chat GBT and be like, write the most random way to die, essentially. And yeah. this is this is the outcome. That's funny. Yeah, Yeah. I I feel like everyone knew what they're getting themselves into. They signed the waiver that includes death. I feel like in this case, death three times on the waiver. Apparently, (laughs) death. death. Should have thrown it in for a fourth time, just to you know. Yeah, I I feel like this is one of those cases where it's like a really overconfident tech guy who has this move fast and break things mentality. Uh, uh, Yeah, yeah. This time it broke like (laughs) permanently. I'm like, it like imploded. I think is what people are saying. Yeah, and. I guess to move this along, it's really hard to talk about this while talking about this other worse incident that happened where currently almost 100 migrants died. Uh, So there was this boat that was taking migrants from Libya to Italy, and Mm -hmm. it sunk near Greece. Uh, These migrants came from all over uh, Pakistan, Palestine, just sort of like the Middle East and part of Europe area. And they all died. This thing got so little attention. And there were like 20 times as many people who died. Uh, 
Uh, and, I, and I feel like the main reason that they weren't covered is just because they're poor. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I... And honestly, fuck Greece for not doing anything. There are tons of articles out there that talk about how Greece apparently, like, received uh, rescue signals. Yeah. Um, and, like, they they didn't do anything. And even even then, like, according to international maritime law, which... For the record, it's not great if like you're not a boat person and you're learning about international maritime law. But like the articles are saying like, oh, like according to the law, you have to help if it looks like a boat is in distress, even if they're not asking you to. You have to like help just because we're we're out there on the water. We're people. Yeah, you have to be a compassionate human being. (laughs) (laughs) As dictated by the law. (laughs) We should have like we should have let Greece sink into bankruptcy. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. It's just really bad, especially when you look at the side-by-side photos. You have this tiny submersible with five of the richest people getting more attention to this gigantic boat that is stuffed with people trying to you know, get a better life, and nothing happens. I feel like this one article that's titled A Tale of Two Disasters is really the right way to frame it. Mm, yeah, I would agree. I, that's, it's just like really shitty to think about. Like, Also, I, I just, I mean, it's it sucks to go missing at sea, but I have like, significantly less empathy for the rich people because you had a choice to go on the submersible and i don't know sometimes i see a ride at disney world and think i'm not gonna go on that uh so now you add a two hundred fifty thousand dollar price tag like <laughs> i don't I'm know like, i don't know man that 250k could have helped all the other migrants cross over more safely i'm just like this when you have too much money you start doing stuff like the titanic like, like yeah what? Like, you're, you want to see the rusty moldy seaweed covered boat <laughs> oh, wow. also the the rescue effort for the submersible took millions of dollars like yeah the retrieval process all that and then like now they're saying that it probably imploded on day one mm. so it's just like really interesting and depressing to see like where resources go you know it's like that please help me budget meme oh, <laughs> like, yeah. my, like my family is starving and it's two million this is like submersible <laughs> rescue like right or, right health and schools and everything else is like ten dollars yeah all right well let's go ahead and move on to the next article for this week so we're talking about the vietnamese community in oakland essentially there are there's a huge vietnamese community in oakland and they need better options for trustworthy news because right now a lot of them are only watching youtube the article that we're covering just profiles a few different vietnamese families their YouTube habits, what they watch, who they watch, and it tends to be Vietnamese conservatives. Not because these people are conservative themselves. They just want to watch some more news in Vietnamese. Uh, And they're like, this is one of the only things we got. Jerry, what's one thought you had about this article? I feel like I've come really full circle on how I feel about learning one's mother tongue, if that makes sense. So like, you start the journey at like, oh, wow, it's so bad that I don't know, like, how to speak my parents' language. I'm not really Asian. And then, you know, you kind of recover, and you're like, it's fine. I don't actually need to speak X, Y, Z to, you know, identify, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, you go back down because it's like, oh, wow, actually, I think I need to learn this because even though it doesn't define who I am as a diaspora, it's important as praxis because it allows me to connect with a different generation. You know what I mean? Like, full circle. Yeah. Yeah. There are a few different people profiled, and one person profiled is named uh, Duyen, D-U-Y-E-N, probably pronouncing that wrong, but we'll go with Duyen for now. And she watches this Vietnamese conservative person called Sonia Olala. So 
just Duyan watches Sonia. But Duyan's saying, you know, I just need local news about Oakland, essentially. And she's like, I know this, you know, Sonia's videos are not always reliable. It might be biased, but I just need some local news about my hometown, Oakland. <laughs> And I'm just like, do you know how fucked it is? I'm like, you have no way to read the news, so you have to listen to this right-wing pundit in hopes that they mention something about your city just to know what's going on in your city. Ninth circle of hell just dropped. <laughs> Literally. I'm like, this is, to me, it's, it, it you know, kind of just reminds me, like, yeah, even older generations, they're very online. They really watch a lot of YouTube, a lot of videos. That's the fastest way to get news. It's really hard to get paper newspapers anymore. So, you know, we really just need someone who's tech savvy who can make videos to counter what the right wingers are doing really well. Yeah, I think it's also just interesting because like, why are all the DIY news stations like always right wing? Like, why yeah. can't we just have like a DIY left wing, you know, like, where are you guys? What's going on? I mean, to be honest, it's probably that pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality. <laughs> Maybe right wingers are more like, I got to do this myself and they actually do it. Oh, man. Yeah. So basically, if you speak Vietnamese, you know, we don't need more articles. We don't need stuff in print. We need stuff that's on video only. So not even online articles. We need the video. We really, really need video. Or, or you know, just post a video of you reading the news. It literally, literally, I'm like, we're losing because we're not doing anything. <laughs> like nothing video. There's no strong video, you know, Vietnamese YouTube channel that we can point to that's, you know, as strong as some of these like Vietnamese conservatives. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like it's concerning that there, again, there are multiple examples of right wing and it seems like we're flopping and flailing for one example of a left wing yeah. media. I do think it was nice. They really profiled this Vietnamese community overall in Oakland. It's like a group of many, over a hundred Vietnamese immigrants who meet every Saturday morning. They help each other get flu shots, do street cleanups, assist each other with voting. Unfortunately, maybe Republican, but I'm, I'm like, wow, this is like community care. If, if we ignore the, 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 I'm like, oh, if we ignore that one part about voting, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I feel like that tracks too, especially when we look at like older populations, right? They always talk about that during election season, which unfortunately it will be coming up soon, but yeah. about like how older people vote. They, like, they go out yeah. and they come out and vote because they have nothing else to do. Yeah. But I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's really this community that just needs a little bit better guidance because they really care for each other. They're doing a lot of stuff and they all talk about how English language media rarely cares about what they're working on. And I get it. It's like, if it's between English media and a right-wing Vietnamese YouTuber, it's like, we're giving our eyeballs to the the YouTuber, you know, like, <laughs> like take our money, take our attention. Yeah, it's, uh, they're like kind of winning by default. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Well, anyway, moving on to our last topic we're going to be discussing my favorite thing to talk about which is adhd a new study came out about like how adhd is under diagnosed among asian americans apparently only two percent of asian american children are diagnosed with adhd i think in that article i saw a stat that even said in asia the rate is six percent of children so even asian like other asians in in asia have higher rates of ADHD than here, which is yeah. very surprising to read about. Aaron, what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, they have three times the rate. I'm just, I'm just, but when I read, I'm like, 
Dude, whenever I see percentages in Asian people, I'm always like, why not 100? Two <laughs> percent <laughs> ADHD, 100 percent ADHD. <laughs> but so yeah, this I, is a concern. <laughs> yeah, there's so many reasons. I think one thing that kind of put it into perspective is uh, they're saying in 2021, for every 100 white children diagnosed with ADHD, there were 83 black children diagnosed, 77 Hispanic children. And just 48 Asian children. Oh. And, and I, I just feel like, you know, we've talked about studies of racism affecting the brain. Like there's so many studies on racism, aging you faster, making you more stressed, just day to day life, not even like a like a traumatic encounter on the street. Right. And I'm like, surely even for this, I feel like the non-white population with ADHD should be higher than the white population i'm mm. like what, what do white people have to be distracted by is the main thing i'm just like what? that's all confused you have all this advantage and for what yeah. i'm like what's bothering you on a day-to-day -day basis to where you can't focus like, like nothing you know like that's why you go to the submarines in the titanic because you got nothing <laughs> no distractions in the submarine yeah but that's why i feel like it's off right i feel like every non-white population should be having higher adhd rates oh that's interesting I will tell you my theory on on why that's the case as someone who is post-pre-med. So my theory is because of the screening process to be diagnosed with ADHD. It's really fucking stupid. Depend it depends who's screening you cuz I was screened by my PCP, but before her, um I had I saw like a nurse practitioner and she asked me like a series of questions and some of them were like really like strange. Like it was like, were you hyperactive in grade school to the point that you were sent to the principal's office multiple times for it? And I was like, no, I would have gotten my ass beat by my parents. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You know, like it was like really specific questions on like that. But then like when it came to like questions that like kind of make sense with ADHD, like obviously yes. But because I answered no on that grade school question, I, I supposedly did not have ADHD, according to this this mm, provider. Yeah, so the questions are really off. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, there's a lot, a lot of studies and articles you'll see about that, about, like, how the DSM-5 or whatever fucking number we're on right now um, mm. was, was based off of, like, white people, specifically white cis men. Yeah, they do talk a lot about cultural influences. Yeah. Essentially, one part, they, they talked about how a lot of Asian American families, they have a really strong emphasis on education. So they might try to hard work their way out of ADHD or like tell their kid essentially, you know, like, oh, if they see their kid not doing homework, the parents would essentially help the kid keep track of homework force them to do homework more and remind them to do homework more, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, Whoa, why have Adderall when you have parents? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I can kind of see that. It's like, yeah, if your kid is not focused on homework, you might just think, oh, they're being lazy or inattentive yeah. as opposed to ADHD. But, you know, with proper guidance and spreadsheets and tutors and tracking, <laughs> you too can go to Harvard. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like that kind of thing. I'm I will say I'm kind of surprised though like I feel like if you showed any I feel like if you told Asian parents like ah here do you want to give your kid a drug that will like get them to study and concentrate more <laughs> I, I feel like that's like a I, I am surprised you know what I mean like I'm yeah. surprised that there's not more <laughs> yeah 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 like literally why is everyone not doing that like <laughs> yeah like I I guess like oh you want to go to Harvard but not that bad yeah, not I, that bad. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then and then we cut to this like secret uh like Asian American family black market that you know trades Adderall even though you don't have ADHD. Yeah, that's yeah. Blame us for the for the um what shortage. 
Yeah, but I feel like they really emphasized the cultural thing about being like, oh, you know, you don't have ADHD. You can hard work your way out of this. And uh, on the teacher side, they talked about teachers in schools also, you know, maybe believing in the model minority situation. Mm. They think Asian kids overall successful and they they wear like rose colored glasses. And so they only focus on the Asian kids who are doing well. And they tend to treat the Asian kids who are not doing well as exceptions or they forget about them. So they have a really biased uh, worldview. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good point. I was just thinking of it from like the quote unquote hyperactive point of view. I just feel like I in my <laughs> like working memory, I never saw like a, someone who would pass as like a hyperactive Asian kid. But yeah. like <laughs> I, I knew this like I remember in elementary school, there was like this one kid in my class and he was really fucking smart, but he. <laughs> just could not sit in a desk like that was like his thing. Mm, yeah. he sat on top of the desk he sat next to the desk he sat like you know like had his feet up in the desk like where he was like pinched like a shrimp but anything but sit normal in a desk and like yeah that guy had adhd and i'm sure like teachers i had teachers straight up say that that's just the asian sitting posture though right yeah the, <laughs> the leg on the chair yeah <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I feel like when I hear a hyperactive kid, I'm like, that's some white people shit, you know? <laughs> that's yeah, like, exactly. Like, I don't like, imagine a white kid, like, throwing shit in a classroom or running around the literal room, and, and that's just the norm. I'm like, there's no Asian family that would do that shit. I also feel like white kids, white boys can get away with that you know it's like oh, oh yeah. boys will be boys like oh they're like they're yeah. just like troublemaker that that kid yeah it's the troublemaker to school shooter pipeline is like right but like <laughs> actually yeah yeah actually uh, i'm pretty certain my mom has adhd and she's like that's cultural factors are definitely a role because like she just refuses to believe it but like in practice she'll be talking about something and then literally mid-sentence she mm. will change topics or like mm. I will ask her a question and she will reply with something completely like not related. Mm. Um, I mean, hey, there is that one section that said ADHD is highly uh, heritable, uh, though the exact ex connection is not that understood. The article that they linked was this like review that they did like a study about twins and they found out that the heritability of ADHD is estimated at 77 to 88 percent. But it's really oh, high, that's, right? That's passing. Bro, yeah. that's passing. <laughs> that's passing. <yeah. laughs> C's get degrees. Yeah. C's get degrees. <laughs> C's get degrees in ADHD. Yeah. Ah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so so they're very well, you know, can be a strong genetic component. Uh, I will say overall, one thing that the Asian uh, interviewees talked about was there not being an Asian ADHD community. Do you feel that, find that true in your experience? You have Asian friends with ADHD that you talk to about ADHD? Yeah, Aaron, that's you. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> Bro, I've asked my therapist like three times and he says, probably not, or you're so high functioning that it's hard to tell. Therapists also, unless like you, you see a psych, your therapist wouldn't be able to tell because he, yeah. he's he also, he also said that part to, too. Yeah. They always say that part. They always yeah. say that part because they're like, oh, but like at the end of the day, I'm not like, anyway. Yes. I saw that line in the article too. For the most part, like I feel like, you know, like a subreddit ADHD is not, you, know, you don't know anyone's race, but there mm. is a Facebook group. It's literally called like, Aya ADHD. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's actually, it's actually pretty good. 
I haven't used it in a while or like browsed it, but I remember like when I was like trying to figure out what to do during the Adderall shortage last yeah. year, it was it was actually like pretty helpful and it was like really uh, it's a pretty supportive community. So if oh, anyone nice. has okay. ADHD and is Asian, that's a great place to check out. You still use Facebook? It's mm. I uh, like I A Y A ADHD on Facebook. I A Y A should not be A I Y A. Oh. A-I-Y-A-A-I-E-I-E-I-O, you know, like, A-I-Y-A, there we go. Yeah, A-Y, yeah, I'm not going to try anymore. All right, well, I think ending on a spelling bee is a great way to end this episode. That's it for now. If you could please, pretty please, give us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's free and takes literally a second. You could probably do it before I finish closing out this episode. Otherwise, you can find us on all the social medias. Just look for Politically Asian Podcast. If you'd like to support us financially because you're super duper cool and you have the means to, you can donate at buymeacoffee.com slash politicalasian. Next week, we will have a break because it's 4th of July and I, we're going on vacation. So we will see you the week after that. And uh, yeah, until that next time. Until two weeks from now. (laughs) Bye. Bye.